The Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run away because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. You can be seated. Today is one of those rare occasions, buckle up, where the sermon is based on one of the other readings instead of the gospel reading. 99% of the time, the sermons you hear come straight about the gospel, but not today. Specifically, today, I want to think about the first reading that we heard from Acts 2, which is too good to pass by. And if you were at the church huddle yesterday, you know we spent a lot of time digging into this passage. Uh, an author by the name of Robert, come back. An author by the name of Robert Putnam wrote a book in 2000 called *Bowling Alone: The Collapse and Revival of American Community*. In this book, Putnam puts out a very simple premise: Americans need to be re- to, need to reconnect with one another. He chronicles that many of the civic organizations that were started and thriving in the 50s and in the 60s and in the 70s have begun to collapse. Bowling leagues, garden clubs that had popped up and continually been replenished with new members suddenly stopped growing. In the past few decades, many of these groups have ceased to exist entirely. The church is an example of this. The church hasn't been immune. The days when you could just assume that everyone belonged to a church somewhere, those days are gone. However, In this passage from Acts 2, we hear the story of the early church. They were the first generation of followers of Jesus that formed their communities immediately after Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This passage offers a picture for church membership that includes four main actions. The teaching of the apostles, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. The first action that they devoted themselves to was the teaching of the apostles. That means that they were rooted in the stories of the Bible and most importantly, the teaching of those who witnessed Jesus's life and death and resurrection. The first disciples were people immersed in the narrative of God's story. And that story stretches from the beginning all the way to Jesus. 
That's the first action. The next action is the earliest followers of Jesus remained faithful to the common life, also known as fellowship. Specifically, the type of fellowship that the early church had was demonstrated in how they shared possessions. They had all things in common. They sold their goods and possessions and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Actions such as these were signs of a deep connectedness and humility toward one another. Jesus' teaching that one should lend without any hope of return was made real in that community. The third action that the early church committed to was the breaking of bread. It says they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. Now, you may already know this, but when the early church had communion at the gatherings that they had, it occurred during the setting of a larger communal meal known as the agape. When the early church had communion, it wasn't in a continuous assembly line like we do here on Sunday mornings. Their communion took place inside of a common meal where the blessing and the thanksgiving over the bread and the wine would take place inside of it. Eventually, the practice of the common meal fell out of use and the ritual of giving thanks that Jesus instituted remained. The early church broke bread because they wanted to continue that tradition that Jesus started of eating with people. And they did it gladly with generosity in their hearts. The fourth action that the disciples committed themselves to was prayer. The disciples' faithfulness in prayer related to how they spent much time together in the temple and how they praised God. Jesus' last days on earth took place in Jerusalem within the context of the temple. So the apostles and the early church continued to gather there for prayer. Even though they faced the possibility of persecution and were uncertain about their future, despite all of that, they were known by how they praised God. They truly trusted God. Those are the four main actions in Acts 2 that describe what the early church was all about. And the point is this. Those four main actions aren't only for them, but they're for us too. It is vital that we as a church remain connected to the teaching and witness of Jesus's life and ministry. Being joined together with other Christ followers in fellowship and in commonality is also important today. Continually remembering and giving thanks and looking forward to Jesus around the table are still central sacred actions in our church. Jesus has also established the church to be a house of prayer and continual praise. Those four actions were the framework for the New Testament church, and they still apply today. Not only that, but those four actions are what the world around us is thirsty for. People want authentic 
community. But our culture is bent on individualism. The culture teaches us to close ourselves off from the rest of the world. We wear earbuds everywhere. When we work, when we shop, when we exercise. You've got your man caves and your she sheds. You work in cubicles. It's all about the lead actor and the lead actress, the sports superstars, the solo artists, the top chef. We see our world through an individual lens. But what the church has to offer you is different than all of that. I'll tell you a secret. What makes church powerful and transformative is not the religion, it's the friendships. Jesus didn't set off to start a new religion. He set off to have table fellowship with everyone, including those who didn't belong. The Judaism that Jesus belonged to was largely based on ethnicity, and most people were born into being Jewish. But Jesus came to make connection to God available to everyone, everywhere, whether you were born into it or not, through the practice of table fellowship. A dozen years after Putnam released his book, a Gallup Healthways poll with more than 676,000 participants revealed something. The research said that the more church friends a person has, the happier they are. The researchers said church friends are supercharged friends, but we have no idea why. They also found that non-church friends do not provide the same benefit in terms of well-being as religious friends do. Based on that research, Robert Putnam concluded that pastors should spend less time on sermons and more time arranging church suppers. Now, that sounds like a joke, but a meal is a real valuable act in a church. If you attended either of the last two funeral lunches we've hosted, you know what I'm talking about. A meal is more than food. It's also the act of fellowship and friendship that's nurtured around the table. And that is why people with church friends are happier. The research also concluded that people who frequently attend religious services are more satisfied with their lives, not because they have more friends overall, but because they have more friends in their congregations. And church going alone without making friends does not improve well-being, the researchers found out. Putnam said, sitting alone in the pew does not enhance one's life Satisfaction. Only when one forms social networks in a congregation does religious service attendance lead to a higher level of life satisfaction. So my encouragement to you is this. 
Don't just attend church, but be the church by sharing your life here. What makes church powerful and transformative is not the religion. It's the friendships. Or perhaps it's that developing friendships is religious practice. There is a spirituality to being woven into the fabric of a community. Sharing life, sharing possessions, sharing joys, sharing sorrows. That is what we do. Amen.